You're listening to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community with your host, Ben Wolf. And welcome to the Win Win Entrepreneurial Community, another episode. Great to have you here. Please subscribe and leave a review, like, follow, share, whatever it is that you do on the platform that you are listening to or watching this on. Uh, we're going to learn from our guests, plural, in this episode today, how to make your accounting not suck. Uh, so with that, I want to give some background on my guests, which is number one, we have two guests here, Spencer Shannon. He's the founder and CEO called Visionary in uh, EOS terminology of Shift Financial Services, which is an outsourced bookkeeping, accounting, and financial insights company. You can find out more about them at shiftfinancial.co. Uh, he's also the author of Entrepreneurs. I hope I said that right, The Surprisingly Simple Path to Financial Clarity. Uh, the Amazon link for that's going to be in the episode description and in the social media. And uh, also introducing Shannon Johnston. There's a T in there. Uh, she's the integrator or COO of Shift Financial Services. Uh, and she has a, a very strong background in sales and marketing and many other organizations before she came to Shift Financial Services. So welcome, Spencer and Shannon. Thank, Thank you. you. Really, Thanks for having us. Yeah, for sure. And just minor, little minor point, it's actually Shift Financial Insights is, is the actual business name. So if anybody is looking for it, it's Shift Financial Insights. Shift Financial Insights. You got Shift, it. Did I say it wrong? Oh, the first time I said it right. Sorry. Your <laughs> financial insights. Thank you very much. Appreciate no worries. That. So with that, I want to ask, you know, I want to ask you guys, either one of you, whoever wants to share here, quick two-minute background, like make your accounting not suck. Like where'd you get into all this? How did you get to be teaching about and speaking about what you're talking about for business owners here? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, so I've, I've been an entrepreneur for 20 years. I've had a few different businesses in bricks and mortar style. So I had a manufacturing business for 15 years. I was involved in a construction business, uh, a family business. And I, I exited all of those sort of between, I'm going to say five and eight years ago. And I found myself kind of like, what am I going to do? And I was actually at another uh, speaking event and I was, it was a finance speaker and I was with a group and he was a really amazing speaker. And he spoke very fast and he spoke fairly technically and the room was full of entrepreneurs and I knew a bunch of them. And, and after, well, the joke is halfway through one of his formulas, I actually corrected him and everybody laughed because not only could I follow what he was doing, I actually corrected him. And he was just so far above everybody's head. He was brilliant, but it was just this technical side. And so after the, the talk, one of the guys at the table, the first thing he did, he looked over at me and said, hey, can you put this in my business for me? Because I know it's important, but I don't get it. I was like, oh, and I literally, it was this ha moment, aha moment. And I was kind of out of my existing businesses. I, I didn't know what I was going to do next. I was doing some advisory work. I'm like, oh yeah, there's, there's a huge gap between how entrepreneurs think and what accountants deliver. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's kind of how I got into to shift and um, uh, you know, I, I, I started doing some advisory and some startups and actually I called Shannon cause I, I Shannon and I have no, known each other for 10, 10, 11 years. Uh -huh. and I, I was complaining to her. I was like, Hey, I, I can't help any of these companies because their books are such a mess. If I only had Anna, Anna was our controller at uh, the last business. I said, if I only had Anna, I could just get this all cleaned up in like no time. And Shannon was like, have you talked to Anna? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, no, she goes, we'll call Anna because Anna might be ready for a move. And I called Anna, I'm like, don't quit your day job, but this is what I'm thinking. And 
she called me two weeks later said I just quit I'm like oh I guess we're doing this Mm -hmm. and that's literally how it started right when and how did and how did and Shannon how did it happen that you that you got involved how did you become the integrator over there yeah, so at the manufacturing business, Spencer was just speaking about that the one he'd previously owned and exited. Um, I was there as the director of sales and marketing. So that's how we how we met mm-hmm. um, years ago now. Um, and so after he exited that business, you know, we went kind of on our separate paths, but kept in contact. So as he mentioned, when you know he he fell in the situation where he was just feeling frustrated and we're having this event. Um, I was kind of there. Um, so I, I kind of knew what he was thinking about, I knew the challenges. Um, but at the time I was, you know, I was just starting a new director of sales and marketing role with another organization. Um, Spencer was really, you know, obviously I, I, and maybe this isn't obvious, but I do not come from a financial background. Mm -hmm. So, um, while ship financial insights is all about bookkeeping, accounting insights, I am one of the few people in our organization that doesn't actually have that accounting background. Um, so at the time, you know, he was really thinking that, the people that joined him in this organization would really have that financial background. Um, so for, fast forward a few years, um, again, we kind of kept in contact. I kind of kept a pulse on what was happening with Shift as it was evolving and growing. And uh, at, I decided to start my own sales and marketing consulting firm. So I exited uh, my role as a director of sales and marketing, started mm. sales and marketing consulting. And so it got to the point where Spencer reached out to me and said, Hey, would you come on board at shift in a sales and marketing capacity mm-hmm. contracted as, as the head of sales and marketing for shift. So mm-hmm. that's how I initially got on board with shift at the time. Right. And then I guess transition later on to the integrator COO role. Yeah. So at the time that I joined shift, um, there was actually an integrator in place. Uh-huh. So I, and Spencer, you'll have to speak to how soon into shift, beginning you went down the path of EOS and an integrator yeah. I mean pretty much from the beginning and, and I'd gone through three people you mentioned um, eight or nine years ago you started this no this is uh four and a half years ago okay so this current business about four and a half years ago um and I I in the first few years I went literally through three integrators that didn't work out mm-hmm. all were good people you know nothing horrible it's just they didn't work out for what the need was um and, you know, Shannon and I had a level of trust and, and we started talking about, well, what, what do we actually need? And we can fill the accounting, like the technical accounting knowledge we can fill. Like we've got CPAs on firm, I'm an accountant. Right. Like that's not the problem. We, what we need somebody is actually to be the integrator and make it run. And so we, uh, we gave that a shot. Right. Very cool. So let's dive into like, what does it take to make accounting not suck as you put it for yeah. entrepreneurs? So I guess just if you don't mind painting a picture first of what it's like for most people or what it's like, what people are coming into before yeah. situations you start getting involved in. Yeah, I think the best way to describe what it's like. Um, so one thing, a, you know, a passion of mine has been um, ultra distance running. Um, some people think it's insane and crazy, but I've run. Alter distance? Ultra distance. So I've run. Ultra distance. Okay. Yeah, up to like triple quadruple marathons in mountains and single track one time mm-hmm. yeah his furthest run was how how the, the longest one i've done is 160 kilometers 100 miles at one time yeah yeah, yeah. okay so that was like a thing that one could do yeah yeah it's it's like it's, king george says in hamilton like you know you could quit the president could quit like that's a thing people can do i didn't yeah i didn't even know that 
Yeah. So that surprise that you're talking about now, I want, now imagine for a minute that, you know, so I'm not a fast ultra runner. So it took me 30 hours to do that. Okay. Oh. But running and for 30 hours. As yeah. Yeah. That's, but, but more importantly, imagine pick a few sensitive parts of the body that tend to rub together when you run and imagine that happening for 30 hours. Like yeah, their thighs. Oh my gosh. Some people like just like walking for half an hour, they get like chafed on their thighs, like chafed and raw and yeah. like all of the sensitive bits. Right. Okay. So where are we going with this? Well, honestly, <laughs> for entrepreneurs who struggle with accounting, it's not dissimilar. It is this raw chafing pain that you can't get rid of. That's always there. That's what it's like. And it's, you know, or the dark cloud. And it's like, I don't, I can't, you know, I get people, my, the best anybody's articulated to me before is I don't, I'm not getting the information I need to run my business. And right. he leaned in and kind of whispered, he goes, but I don't know exactly what I need. I just know I'm not getting it. Right. And so that's the pain that people are finding. And it's like, they, they don't know where to go. They're, they're stuck. They're frustrated. They're embarrassed, but mostly, you know, they got the accountant in the corner but we as entrepreneurs right. aren't empowered. It's, it's a different language. I went to school for three years to learn how to write, create, interpret financial statements. And accountants, not all accountants, but generally accountants seem to think it's okay to be like, here are your statements and then run the other way. Well, most entrepreneurs and frankly, most integrators don't come from a finance background. So, you know, we end up in this massive stuck point and it's, it's, on top of it is the, the entrepreneurs and, and for integrators to some extent, don't know how to direct the accounting team. They don't know how to call them out. They right. don't know when they're being BS'd. Okay, first of all, I have to compliment you on a very engaging example <laughs> that <laughs> grabs the attention. I'll just say that. So kudos to you for that. Sorry, you will, you will not be able to get that image out of your mind. Yeah, I'm just like, as you've been talking, like every like 90 to 120 seconds, I've just started laughing because I was like thinking about what you said. Um, so what, when yeah, I do, when right, I do so talk. that's a great, so it's a great setup in terms of yeah. like what it's like, what's the problem? Because I always like yeah. to set it up when I'm talking with people who have something to share, like first let's create the vacuum and then before we fill it with something. So like, we're even curious about it. So yeah. what, uh, okay. So what are like the top two or three things that people listening to this can do to make that suck less or, yeah. or, or connect that Let disconnect with what accountants are doing and what business owners need? And yeah, know. yeah, yeah. Let me offer one other piece of the vacuum because it's really critical, especially for uh, businesses that are, are relatively small. And by that, I mean, two, three, four, five, even up to about 10 million, okay, is we often don't have the expertise that we need on hand. So think about building a, a house. You know, if you were to go out and build a house, you'd probably hire a general contractor or a builder or whatever you call them. Below them, they'll have some skilled subtrades, you know, um, plumbers, electricians, uh, carpenters. And then at the bottom of the stack, you'll have laborers, you know, they'll be hauling cement, hauling lumber, digging ditches, sweeping up, right? We all know that intuitively, but the same thing really exists in the accounting stack where you've got a CFO that's a strategic thinker that helps you, what do we do if we, what happens if we change pricing? What happens if we open a new location? Do we have enough money for five years? They're the strategic thinker. Below them is, is, is usually the controller. That's the reporting and compliance function. We all know about the reporting function, but we don't really think about the compliance function. This is the stuff that even most accountants don't like, setting up the chart of accounts, 
overseeing the bookkeeper, policies and procedures, all of that stuff. That has to be done. That's a special specialty and an expertise. Then at the bottom of the stack is uh, the bookkeeper, right? That's that's the day-to-day stuff that most of us think as, as accounting, that the invoicing, the payables, receivables, all that stuff. But what happens with these smaller businesses? We can't afford a CFO, a controller, and a bookkeeper. So especially two, three, four, five million dollar businesses, all we have is a bookkeeper. Well, that's like hiring a laborer to build your whole house. It's just they don't have all of the expertise that they need. You'd never hire a laborer to build a house, but we routinely hire bookkeepers to run our entire accounting department. So that's the other piece of the vacuum. And, and we, we go like, why aren't they giving us the information we need? Why aren't they like analyzing this? Why aren't they telling me what I need to do? It's like, because you've got a laborer doing your books. Mm-hmm. You're going to the wrong person. It's mm-hmm. a different skill set. Mm-hmm. So that's really the other piece of the vacuum. All right, so let's get into it then. Okay. How do I how do I make it not suck and you know and and not hire laborers to do my analysis <laughs> for me? Okay. Well, there's there's two or three really quick things I'll go through. Uh, the first of which is really sort of bridging the languages, and I think the most effective way to do that is through data visualization. And if you want to play along, I can do an exercise in about one minute to show you how this would feel. Um, would you like to play along, Ben, with this? Sure, I will play along. And I think we talked about this before. You could use the screen share, but you know, for those of you listening, uh, Spencer has agreed that whatever we do on the screen share, he's going to, yeah, uh, he's going to narrate, and everything yeah. will be. Don't don't worry, you'll you'll get, and even if you're not seeing it, you'll get it really fast. Yeah, so totally understandable to those only on the audio. That's yeah, yeah, no problem, no problem. So uh, I, what I'm going to do, Ben, I'm going to give you ten seconds, okay? And what I'm going to do is I'm going to put up on screen is a financial statement, okay? And in, in, in just a sec, I'm gonna zoom in on the expenses and I'm gonna make it large enough for you to see. It's too small right now. So this is just a normal financial statement. I'm gonna give you 10 seconds. Let me pull up my timer. I and warn you that I went to law school because I can't stand math. So that's this is the even better, even better. World. So you have one job. Uh, your goal is to find the three biggest line items that are most over budget, okay? The three biggest okay. over budget and I want you to rank order them, the biggest over budget, the second and the third, and then by how much. I'm going to give you 10 seconds. And when I say go, it may take a second for the screen to change, but you'll get the bonus second on the back end. Three, two, one, go. Okay. Okay, so there's some more data you're going to need to really get the whole feel. So we're scrolling through the data. All right, yeah. And stop. Numbers here. Oh. So how did... time? So how did that go for you? That was 10 seconds. Did you get the top three? I, I saw there was one at the top that I think was plus 183,000, plus 183,000, I think that on the okay. variance, on the variance so, column. But I don't know. So what you just experienced is what most entrepreneurs experience. So, so for those that are just listening, I put up a, an income statement. I had it scrolling because it was too long to fit on one page. It was an impossible task that I gave Ben. Okay. But I want to do the exact same thing. And I'm going to give you everything's the same 10 seconds to do the exact same exercise, the top three financial issues or the top three over budget issues. Okay. So top three misses by how much in 10 seconds. There you go. So for those listening, so go ahead, Ben, what do you see? Uh, uh, wages, rent and consulting. And which is the biggest? Wages is uh, 180,000. There you go. 
Okay. So what we just did in the exact same 10 seconds. So even the, what, for those that were listening, I put it in a bar chart and I just showed which were the most over budget items for the month and put it in a very easy green and red bar chart. Ben, that was the exact same data, mm-hmm. exact same length of time mm-hmm. on a scale of one to 10. How easy was the first time? How easy was the first time? Yeah. One? <laughs> how easy was it the second time? Uh, this was a 10. It was very, 10. very little, very little information, very clearly uh, yeah. and graphically depicted. Right. So data visualization is one of the key ways that we can actually bridge that gap between accountant and entrepreneur because our minds think in pictures. 90% of, mm-hmm. of how our brain processes is through images, not letters and numbers. Yet all of our financials are in, are in letters and numbers. So how do, how do I, I mean, if I'm a business owner, a three, $3 million business, how yeah. do I achieve data visualization? <laughs> yeah. So, so that leads. Where really do I go? Like go to a certain software and plug my QuickBooks into it. Like what? There, there's a few different ways there. I mean, there is um, a business intelligence software out there that can plug into it. I mean, we've built our own BI tools mm-hmm. um, that connects to say QuickBooks online business intelligence tools that sucks mm-hmm. the data and then puts it out. You know, the old, the old school way, if you're not sophisticated, it's Excel, you create charts in Excel. Right. The one you just yeah, so, right. So somebody that knows the numbers and knows how to use Excel, they just export yep. it. Yep. Play with it. Do their magical Excel things that I don't understand, and yep. you know, create create graphical depictions. And that's the clunky way to do it. The more sophisticated way is to automate and streamline it. Right. And then the next piece is really around yeah. how do you know which data to go after? Mm-hmm. And here's the other thing for entrepreneurs and integrators that don't automatically and intuitively understand the financial information. There's only three things you can do to increase the profitability in your business. There's only three, right? These are the key levers. You can increase sales, you can decrease your cost of goods or hold it steady as your sales grow, or you can decrease your expenses. That's it. Everything else falls into that. So while we're looking at long, complicated financial statements, those are the only three levers you have to pull to increase the profit in your business. That's it. And similarly on the balance sheet, you can collect your money faster, your AR, you can turn your inventory faster. And trust me, inventory was the bane of my existence in a manufacturing business. Or you can pay a little bit slower, not so slow you hurt your relationships, but you can stretch your payables a bit. Um, and then it gets a little more complicated in terms of managing your capital assets more effectively. And some people would argue debt is a lever as well. But there's really only seven levers that you can actually do. So rather than worrying about all the complexity, Make it simple. Keep coming back to those levers. Put them those levers into chart forms. And there's there's lots of samples. Like if you go to um, entrepreneurnumbers.com, there's free downloads as examples mm-hmm. of what the charts can look like. You don't have to memorize it all. Um, but it, if it's presented, if you have the right data presented the right way, accounting for entrepreneurs and integrators and visionaries doesn't matter what your role is goes from being a source of pain to a source of power. Right. Right. So that those are kind of some of the the, right, the main here's things. how you fix it by right, visualization and then just narrowing it down to the really important things things you could actually control and can make the a difference levers. on um, on the uh, um, you know on the making more money side or on the or on the cash management side yeah yeah um, and I mean the last piece I'll say that really solves the accounting stack problem is 
you know, with the automation that's happened in bookkeeping, it's a lot easier to outsource. I mean, it's what we do. And at the risk of sounding like I'm being self-serving or, or solicitous, really, there's a whole industry doing what we do out there. And so rather than if you have just a bookkeeper, you probably don't need a full-time bookkeeper. You probably need a part-time bookkeeper, part-time controller, and a part-time CFO. That, for probably in the same cost, you can get the whole accounting stack covered as opposed to having a bookkeeper who you probably don't know how to manage anyway. So, you know, is it, depending on your business, is very likely you're well positioned to outsource it. And then you can have a team of accountants managing your account, having your SOPs in place, knowing how to properly do a chart of accounts, having that contractor, sub trades and um, uh, laborer actually running your entire accounting department like it's supposed right. to be. Right. So, so that's yeah, really the, the and big your firm and your firm offers those three levels. That's right. Financial insights. And I mean, and, you know, you may know that one of the big things that I'm, I'm involved in these days and one of my big focuses is fractional leadership. Right. All coming out on fractional leadership in October. Uh, people can uh, subscribe at, uh, to get more updates on that updates on the book and on the referral network of financial leaders. Uh, I mean, fractional leaders at fractionalleadership.io. Definitely encourage people to check that out. Nice. And um, and so so that makes me wonder. So is so would you say that CFO services, meaning not just somebody you call for advice once in a while, but like somebody that's on your leadership team, is that part of what Shift does or that's separate or different? Yeah, I mean, we're not so much on your leadership team, but mm. we create the structure within the accounting department to provide the relevant information. You know, just a quick example is, you know, we had a client who's a, um, a digital agency. And when we started with them the previous year, they had done 97 distinct jobs. Well, we did some analysis and 60% of their jobs were contributing 8% of their profit. You know, the old 80-20 wow. rule, right? They were right, spending right. all this time on all these small clients and right. we gave them the advice, you know, we need to cut out those small jobs, focus on the big ones. They completely changed their strategy on sales. And within a year, they had made their average revenue and average profitability per job over double and went from losing a half a million to making a half a million over the course of a 12-month process, just by focusing on the right levers of the business, which was the profit, the, the, the more profitable business um, that weren't so small because their average cost was way more than their average revenue for those small jobs. Right. So that's, a, that's what it, that's what that fractional example. thing will do. Right. 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 It's an excellent example. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a, yeah, we have a client. I have a client right now who, uh, where I brought in a fractional CFO and that they actually had staff bookkeeping staff and they are, you know, internally, but I brought in a, a CFO and it's just, yeah, it's a big difference. And you mentioned construction industry. They're in the construction industry and uh, and just brought in that CFO. It's just, you know, whatever. They're just completely changing the way the way they're looking at the business and, and having somebody with that, you know, who's an actual builder, not just a laborer, as you say. Yeah. So, yeah, and I mean, I actually have a hard time only being the fractional CFO because so many bookkeeper, if it's just a bookkeeper, unless they're creating the information in a way that's going to allow the story to be extracted, like I like that's why we do the whole package, just right. because we can then control everything from cradle to grave. Right, right, yeah. makes sense. Yeah, I was just going to add on to that. I mean, one of the as Spencer said, there's lots of service providers in this space, but um, the one of the things that 
in order to address the accounting stack problem that Spencer talked about is that each one of our clients has a team that's working for them. And it's not a rotating team. It's a, they have a bookkeeper, a controller, um, and then along with Spencer, our director of accounting operations mm-hmm. and our uh, director of accounting operations, there's, there's additional support there as well. Um, but essentially that controller and bookkeeper are working really tightly together the entire time on that account. The right. controllers overseeing the bookkeeper's work, they're collaborating together. Um, they're really, it's really a close knit team. So we are an extension of our clients. We are their completely uh-huh. outsourced accounting department. Right. No, that's, uh, that's great. It re- really helps me understand it better. And I hope the you know listeners and viewers as well. Um, and you know, so that's uh, right. And right. And so obviously using, using like a full stack accounting or, or, or financial resource, you know, where you have, like you said, the, you don't, you know, like you said, you have the controller bookkeeper level and, the, and then the strategic level CFO level all in one, you know, all in one cohesive whole. Um, mm-hmm. It definitely makes a lot of sense. So again, yeah, just uh, let me just see here again, it's shiftfinancial.co. People can learn more about that and about what you guys do for that in case they want to reach out to you, it'd be awesome. Uh, I want to get, before we have a few more minutes and before we run out of time also, just about your own story, you know, uh, Spencer and Shannon as, as business owners, because you also run a business, right? Not just as something for other people. Um, and you guys mentioned that you started doing EOS, Entrepreneurial Operating System, which I'm an EOS implementer. A lot of people listening know that. Um, and I'm a fractional integrator. So I'm like an outsourced COO for people on, with EOS businesses. And I just like to hear, like, why did you guys for your own business, like, you know, speaking about yourselves, why did you guys start using EOS? How did that happen? What was it like before? Yeah, yeah. you go ahead, Spence. I, I was just going to just tell one quick story and Shannon can sort of leverage on top of that. So in, in our previous business, um, in my manufacturing business, we actually used scaling up. So we didn't, okay. it wasn't the Wild West. We did have a system. Um, but we, I did make the intention to change to EOS in, in, this, the, in this version because I found the simplicity, the clarity, particularly around the meeting routines, so powerfully effective compared to anything else I've used. And we, we actually invited, uh, this was a couple of weeks ago, our former general manager um, to one of our L10 management meetings. And the general Shannon manager at that manufacturing? Yeah. From the manufacturing business. So mm-hmm. Shannon and I both worked with them. And maybe Shannon can share his comments after because he was used to seeing our old management meeting. So Shannon, if you want to share okay. kind of, because I had to drop off for another call, but Shannon stayed on and chatted for a couple of minutes. Yeah, no, he was, I mean, he was completely blown away and he was shocked at how dialed we have that meeting, how many issues we are able to tackle in a single meeting, how many of our to-dos happen. And we're just, we are really a well-oiled machine with the process. Um, now we have, we obviously sometimes have days where our meetings get rated a little lower, but for the most part, I think our average, if I pulled up our stats on traction tools, um, we're probably hovering around a nine, 9.5 as an average rating scale in our meetings mm-hmm. by our management team. So that's been fantastic. And, you know, just, I think just the sheer volume of what we're able to execute on is actually pretty astounding. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the first things I did when Spencer and I were talking about launching into this visionary integrator partnership um, is I, I fully embraced this role as integrator. Like I've, I just kind of felt like I was like sinking right into it. I think we both agree. It felt like quite a natural transition between us and then for the organization as well. 
Um, so, you know, being the EOS um, advocate and geek that I am, I dove headfirst into rocket fuel. Um, and one of the suggestions in rocket fuel, or one of the ideas um, that Mark Sienders and Gino talk about, is to get an integrator's wish list. So, knowing Sensor right. had the history with three integrators that didn't work out, and my own sheer determination to not be go down that similar path, right. I said, "Okay, let's let's wave a magic wand a year from now. Give me the integrator's wish list. What would right. this look like?" Right. So he gave me that wish list, and um, you know, this was January of 2020, and obviously at that point, March of 2020 wasn't on anybody's radar in terms of what the world was going to look like. Right. So by March, uh, by March, April, probably about 50, 60 other items were added onto that list. But um, you know, I think we we tackled that list fairly well in that entire that first year, and I know I think at least at least 80 percent of the items got ticked off. Wow. Yeah. So it was, it, it was such a, a pleasure. I'm it, was a, <laughs> it was a yeah. big year. It was an exciting year. I know um, one of your questions, Ben, is, is around visionaries hear about the integrator role and they go, oh, who would ever want to do that, right. that role? Um, and I think Spencer echoes that um, versus myself. I get really, really amped up over a very detailed plan. So I love building a plan. So taking his vision and building out the plan about how we're gonna execute this and the various pieces that we need and, and becoming the conductor of having that all come together, that just, that, that's what gets me up every morning. That's what excites me. And I think that's why it's such a natural place for me to be. Ch Channing called in on, <clears throat> we're, we're remote. We've been remote since the beginning. So, you know, not, not much has changed for us on that front. Mm -hmm. Shannon called on a Monday. She's like, oh, I'm so excited. I spent the weekend and I literally flow mapped every process with him. I'm like, what? And so excited. And your weekends? Like, oh my God. I know. <laughs> but awesome. I'm so happy we have that. Right. No, not for my, I didn't want to spend my weekend doing that. You know, so it's really, it is really, it is my happy place. It, what it is, is that it's just taking something from con, like from concept which is where right. the visual and all is. They're very conceptual. Like, like ethereal, very con ethereal, yeah. Yeah, and taking that and then driving it through to the finished product where we have something tangible to show for, for these visions. Like that's where it wasn't necessarily the profit process mapping itself, which is pretty, it's pretty super cool. But it's at the end of the day, there was a finished product and I knew the organization was that much closer to achieving this overall vision, like, or, or checking that box that that aspect of the vision is now complete or well on its way. Right. Um, yeah, super jazzed about that. Right, that's awesome. Yeah, actually, you know, you guys are telling stories about having your old general manager in, uh, in, in the thing. I actually had a, I had a quarterly I led last week as the EOS implementer and a couple of different people came from very different backgrounds. One guy came from a very corporate background mm. uh, at a, I don't even know, like a whatever, probably top 100 company in America, just very, very large corporation. And the others were just with like smaller entrepreneurial companies, like 100, 150 people. And, uh, and they were so two people on the leadership team and they come, they had different comments, but just both about how like it was a different world to go to an EOS meeting or an EOS quarterly even. Yeah. And, and just to be like, we're actually getting stuff done is not just this thing that just drones on and on and everyone's sitting on their phone the entire time. Yeah. And it just keeps just droning and 
going around and around in circles and it's so frustrating. And then the corporate guy was saying how, well, nobody would ever take out their phone. Like that's just not done. Like nobody could do that, but they're completely checked out. Nobody's involved in any way <laughs> in the meetings. And, and it was just like, you know, to have a quarterly where like everybody's like getting in there and working it out and solving things, you know, in, in, a, in a relatively short amount of time, uh, you know, and feeling effective and not just like boring, like you're, like you're in hell and uh, at, at meetings it's, was, was uh, just still, even after months and months of being in it, just still like once in a while thinking back what it used to be like, you know, before you discovered mm. it and uh, appreciating it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's funny. I, Shannon went after the manufacturing business. Shannon went, uh, worked for one of the larger businesses around Vancouver. Um, I had office and <laughs> called me one day. I was like, so we just had like, a, I, I was in a meeting and I asked like what our quarterly strategy was. And they said, that's a good question. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> wait, wait, what? <laughs> like, yeah. You're one of the biggest companies here. Like, how right. do you not, what? Wow. <laughs> Yeah, that, that was a pretty, pretty short-lived, uh, short-lived stint for me. I, I, <laughs> I, could, I, could, I couldn't, yeah. Well, look, I appreciate you guys coming on, sharing your, a little bit about your EOS journey and perspective and, and what it's like being visionary and integrator to each other and those perspectives, as well as obviously the entrepreneur numbers. Uh, again, people can, can check that out in the, in the, in uh, the Amazon link that's in the, uh, that's in the episode description and, and in the social media learn about what uh, Spencer and Shannon and their team does uh, with clients doing that whole financial stack or accounting stack, uh, controller, bookkeeping, CFO level, strategic insights at Shift Financial Insights, uh, shiftfinancial.co. So definitely encourage people to check them out. And thank you so much for coming on and everything that you shared and made it easy for us to understand and even a lawyer like me to understand something <laughs> about numbers. Awesome. Thanks, Thanks so ben. much, Ben. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate it. And we'll see everybody else on the other side. Thanks a lot. You're listening to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community with your host, Ben Wolf. <laughs>